0: When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. It is great to be here with you in this place and in this time as we remember those who have passed before us, loved ones, members of this congregation, loved ones, members of our families, dear friends. All Saints Day has been in the, in the church for most of its history. We first heard it mentioned in the mid-fourth century around 372 by Saint Ephraim and again, Saint John Chrysostom mentions All Saints Day in the year 405. It's been a long history of recognizing and remembering the saints who go before us. But also a day of recognizing and celebrating God's grace and love, God's hope and God's future that extends beyond what we can see, beyond what is old into what is new, from what is familiar to what is unfamiliar. This is all wrapped up in All Saints. And it's been a, a rough year for Ashland Place since i've been here in my fifth year my fifth all saints day we haven't celebrated with so many passing of the saints celebrated the lives of so many celebrating god's grace and love for all those who have lived with us and they'll live beyond us we also recognize that even as we can no longer see our loved ones, those who have passed away, that we know they are in the communion of the saints. That is all those followers of Jesus Christ who have lived in every place and in every time. That's our God, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of Joseph and Moses. God of the disciples, it's our God, it's our saints' God, and we celebrate the communion that they share with us here today and with those who have passed before us. This passage that we have in front of us, this passage of Lazarus, is a powerful statement. It's uh, the story of Lazarus. Is a powerful story as Jesus is called upon by Mary and Martha. You know, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were three of the four individuals that the Gospel of John points out as people, individuals whom Jesus has loved by name or somewhat by name. The fourth one is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Then we have these three Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. And as the story goes, Lazarus has fallen ill and Mary and Martha have sent word to their friend, their dear friend Jesus, to come to be with them and to heal Lazarus, to keep him from dying or falling further ill. And Jesus delays in coming. He delays on purpose. So he might be instructive to his followers and those who will see and will hear what is about to happen with Lazarus four days Jesus waits and when he arrives it's Mary and Martha who greet him and protest if you'd only been here earlier maybe you could have saved him but now we're four days past and our brother your friend lies in a cold dark tomb It's certainly instructive. There's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot going on because there's a lot of grief. There's this sense of loss. There's been a death in the family. And the sisters hurt deeply. The friends and the mourners gather to share in that grief and to express their shared grieving. Grieving. Jesus, when upon greeting Mary and Martha and seeing these mourners, is deeply disturbed and grieves also. We're told he weeps. It hurts. There's no way around it. And that's one of the instructions in this passage is that death is real and death is painful and death death is messy. And in all of this mess, and all of this loss, we hurt. We hurt deeply and we grieve and we weep. And God weeps with us. Jesus weeps with us in our loss. But Jesus doesn't only weep, doesn't only stand by to mourn, But he lifts a word of encouragement, a word of hope to say that I am the resurrection. I am life. Do you believe that, Mary? Do you believe that, Martha? And then he does something new, something unexpected, something hopeful. And he says, take me to where you've laid him. Roll away the stone. And he demands this dead man to rise and come out. Now, we all knew, those who were gathered there understood and knew that there was a time of resurrection. Many of them believed that. But it wasn't going to look like this, it was in the last day when all would be resurrected. Let's not be mistaken here. Lazarus was not resurrected. He was resuscitated. He was raised from the dead. He breathed again. He lived again. But he entered the same old life that he had lived before. The Resurrection was still to come. This was a foreshadowing of something new something great something about jesus that instructs us that jesus has power over even death now when i was 15 years old and i was getting ready you know what happens when you're 15 and you're getting ready to turn 16 what happens you get that driver's license you start looking for that car and when i was turning 16 there were a lot of really good cars out there I mean, a lot of good ones. And my friends were getting new cars. They were getting Trans Ams, and they were getting Camaros and new trucks. And, and my dad said, well, do you want to go look for a car? And I thought, yeah, let's go look for a car. He goes, well, I saw one in the classified. I want to go look at it. I said, okay. What car lot is that in? And I said, I saw it on my route. My dad was a mailman. He saw this Car for sale on his route, so he called the man up, and the guy said, "Yeah, come on over and 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 take a look at it." Well, hey, let's go look. So we arrive at this man's house, and and the guy said, "Let me uh, let me go get the key, and then I'll I'll get you in the garage. You can see the see the car." Well, I was just—I mean, I was on edge. I was—I mean, this was this was this this could possibly be be this uh, my new car. God raises the garage, and there was this nearly green, nearly gold, fully faded 1966 Mustang. Yeah, wow, right? It didn't look like wow to me. I looked at that and thought, man, does it run? I mean, it was just dusty and dirty and. And my dad's looking at it and he's looking down the sides, you know, and he's looking underneath, he's looking at the floor plan and I'm, I'm looking inside, trying to, what kind of stereo was in this thing? That was about the important stuff. I wonder what kind of speakers are in the back? What kind of ca- cassette deck? That was a new thing back then. Nope, there was an AM radio in the dash. And I thought, man. Does it run?" And the guy's like, yeah, it runs, crank it up. So my dad got in and cranked it up, popped the hood, listened to it run, went back behind it, listened to the exhaust, and he's looking all around, and I'm thinking, man, maybe it's too expensive. My dad asked him what he would have wanted, and my dad said, I'll give you this, and the guy said, that sounds like a deal. And so there's the new car. Dad gets it home, we drive it into the driveway and park it, and a few days later, my dad says, "Okay, let's go. Um, let's go out to your car and just tear out the interior." I'm like, "What?" He says, "Yeah, we got to get it ready to go to the body shop." I said, "Okay." We tear out all the tear out the carpet, we tear out the floor panels, we tear out the 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 door panels, we tear the headliner. Everything comes out. Seats and nothing but a milk crate where the driver's side sat. He goes, "Now let's drive it." We're gonna drive it over to the body shop and let them. So they tore out all the windows, all the chrome, did all the body work, did the paint job, and that's okay. Like, now we're gonna take it over to the interior. The upholster uh, the guy, he's gonna redo the entire in- inside. I said okay. So we get to the body shop, and there was this bright red metallic 1966 Mustang with all the chrome redone. I'm thinking, look at this get back on the milk crate and we drive it over to the upholstery shop and this guy has it for weeks and then we go pick it up and everything's been redone. It's got brand new black pony interior in it. And I still look and it's still got that same old AM radio in it. He goes, okay, we're gonna take it to the transmission shop and get them to rebuild the transmission we did that and then my dad and his brother, see my dad can do anything. He, he, he could fix anything, work on it, wasn't afraid to take on any task. He would, would build, rebuild cars, he and his brother would work on air conditioners, they re-roof houses, they, they did it all. There was one occasion when we were having a pool put in and the pool company left a backhoe and front end loader in the backyard and my dad wanted to spread the dirt out. And they ask him. My, and my dad asked the guy to do it. He goes, "Well, oh, I can't do that." Well, the guy left the backhoe there and back in later. So my dad climbs in that thing, never having driven one, and he's running around the backyard, running in the trees. And I'm running to the house, screaming, "That there's a madman in the backyard!" Well, he and his brother take this car down to the, their friend's house and it has a garage and. They drop the engine and they strip it all down. They replace pistons and valves and rods and camshafts and intake manifold and exhaust manifold and just redo the whole thing. Put in a new dual exhaust system and it was, so I went down to pick it up and this thing looked like a brand new penny and it purred like a kitten. And I thought, man, now this is new this is a new thing this it just needs a radio <laughs> no, I was proud to get that car it was a far cry from that almost green almost gold and faded ripped up interior it looked like a brand new showroom car I wish I still had that car it's a beauty heard like a kid 289 just purred like a kitten well, in all of this, when this was happening, my role, as I am not handy, I'm not a mechanic. My job in all of this was to fetch tools, to go get a pair of pliers or a screwdriver or a wrench, or or to hold the flashlight. That was the big, my big job was to hold the flashlight while all of this was happening. And you know, when you're when you're 15, 16 years old, and your job is to hold the flashlight, you know what it's like, right? You're you're, you're told to hold it right here on this distributor cap. So I'm holding it. And next thing I know, well, what's over there? And what's over here? And I'm missing what's going on. And all the while, this old car is being transformed into this new thing that was beautiful and powerful. And something I wish I had today. Wasn't sure I wanted it when I first had it. And maybe that's what john is talking about in revelation just a just a hint just a i mean a bare glimpse just a bare hint a bare taste of what's coming before us what is in front of us in this life and the life after this life something so new something so amazing that isaiah the prophet could only describe it as gathering at god's table To partake and be a a dinner guest at God's banquet, where there is this rich food just lavishing the table, and there's the in our glasses is the purest aged wine. Something new is in store. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus reminds us, even when there's something new, we are still dealing with the pain of death because it is a real thing. And the story of Lazarus tells us, instructs us, and reminds us not to diminish the pain of loss and death. To let ourselves grieve because we've lost something something we weren't supposed to lose. But in this life, that's what happens. Is we lose things we're not supposed to lose, and it hurts. And we're, we're to recognize that, acknowledge it. But don't just stand on the sideline grieving and hurting Let our grief and our hurt move us to see what's in the future, that there's something new on the other side. There's this grand banquet. And all the saints of all times and in all places are going to gather. And we're going to get a foretaste of it today when we gather around this rail And the candles that are lit are going to remind us that all of our saints that we have known and loved and continue to love are gathering with us at this magnificent feast. So let us take today and remember that yes, we've lost something. And yes, we hurt. But also let us remember that, yes, something new is in front of us. Something new that is a foreshadowing of what we know, but is only a shadow of what's coming. Let us celebrate all saints. Let us celebrate God's love and grace for us, among us and with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.